0: Christmas is just around the corner. Can you believe it? But the sad reality is that domestic violence will again spike sharply over this Christmas period. Can you believe that? Too often anger spills over during the holidays, so I thought that this week we'd share a timely word on anger management. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. As I said, today we're going to talk about anger, what causes it and how to overcome it because the last thing any family member needs over this coming Christmas celebration is conflict and worse still, violence. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has for us. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but when a seed falls to the ground and dies, ultimately it sprouts and it takes root. And if it was the seed of a plum tree, we can be fairly certain that the thing that's growing there is going to one day produce not apricots, not apples, not pears. We all know it's going to produce plums because it's a plum tree that's taken root. In fact, the root produces the fruit. It's just one of those basic facts of life that actually we don't have to think much about. The root produces the fruit. And it's a bit like that in our hearts as well. If our hearts take root in goodness, well, we'll produce some good fruit. If they take root in bad things, we're going to produce bad fruit. In sweet things, we'll produce sweet fruit. In bitter things, and we're going to produce bitter fruit. It's not rocket science, right? This week on the program, I want to take a look at the phenomenon of anger in our society and in our lives. There's a movie a few years back called Anger Management. And, you know, anger is something that we run into in our lives. Anger is a real phenomenon in the hearts of so many people. You know, pressure builds up in life and people just explode. It's like sometimes we feel as though we're in a pressure cooker. And unless a pressure cooker vents its steam, it's going to blow up. And it's the same with us. There are so many people who need to vent their anger. It's something that's happening in epidemic proportions. You have a road rage, you have supermarket rage, you have call centre rage. In fact, this week's program was prompted by a real-life experience. I have a man in my house at the moment who's doing some painting. We live in an old 19th century row house or terrace house. We're doing a little bit of work to touch it up. And he's in there painting a few walls. At the same time, he's doing a much bigger job in one of the wealthiest streets in the country. I mean, this is a huge mansion that he's painting with special paint that costs, wait for it, $1,000 a tin. Unbelievable. I mean, the houses in this street are worth between 15 and $25 million each. This is a mega-wealthy group of people. And lots of people in this street are, in fact, doing some building work at the moment. It's a narrow street, yet it's got great views, full of these massive mansions. Unbelievable place. He's been working there for a few weeks now and he was telling me you wouldn't believe the strife between these neighbours. The house that he's working on is owned by a woman probably well into her 70s and she hasn't talked with her neighbour for over 25 years. They had some argument about a building work a quarter of a century ago. He said, all the neighbours are fighting. The woman that he's working for, he'd done some work before and, and she was lovely then, but now she's become mean and nasty and she swears. And she and her husband live in this five-storey thing, the two of them in their 70s. And you stand back from that and think, this is unbelievable. These people have everything in life. There's probably nothing that their heart desires that they can't buy or have or, or own, really. Everything. Yet there's, well, a spirit of, of anger and bitterness and dissension. It makes you wonder, what's going on here? These people, these painters, two Greek brothers, they are lovely people. They do a great job. They're honest as the day is long. They're wonderful. How can this woman be so nasty to them? You see, anger and bitterness takes root in our hearts. That's what happens. You let things get to you and, and, and get angry with people over and over and over again. And it's like bitterness takes root in our hearts. And remember, the root produces the fruit. God actually talks a lot about anger. You know, it's a word that pops up 376 times in the Bible. It makes it one of the leading subjects that God talks about. Anger is something that we all have to deal with. And it springs up so often out of a root of bitterness the writer of the book of hebrews in the new testament if you've got a bible grab it open it up at hebrews it's pretty much towards the end of the bible hebrews puts it this way it's hebrews chapter 12 verses 14 and 15 says this pursue peace with everyone and holiness because without them you won't get so much as a glimpse of god Make sure that no one misses out on the grace of God so that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. Because through it, so many will be contaminated. See, there it is, the root of bitterness. The root produces the fruit. The root of bitterness takes hold in our hearts. It springs up and causes trouble and contaminates everyone around us. When we have bitterness in our hearts, we spit out anger. And it's like a contaminant. It causes trouble. It springs up and causes trouble and contaminates people. We all have a problem with anger some days, some more than others. And the longer we let it go on, the more it takes hold of our lives and produces bitterness. And a bitter root produces bitter fruit. A root is something we cultivate. And if we don't want it to keep growing, we have to stop feeding it. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't make room for the devil. See, he, he understands, God understands. We all get angry from time to time. That's not the sin. The sin is letting the sun go down on our anger, keeping it in our hearts, brooding and, and planning revenge and, and going over it and over it and over it. The right way of handling it is just to get over it, forgive and move on. Then, then we won't be cultivating this root of bitterness, which sure as God made little green apples will produce fruit of bitterness because the root produces the fruit. It's not something I believe, though, we can do on our own. I believe we need an antidote to this venom, something that heals and cleanses... And just gives us a fresh perspective. And let's go back to that earlier quote in Hebrews and see what it says. Make sure that no one misses out on the grace of God so that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. See, the antidote to bitterness and anger is the grace of God. When we experience God's grace, God's unmerited favor, it melts all that stuff away. I know, I was an expert in being angry. And God's grace has just filled my heart. And little bit by little bit, this is still a work in progress, I might tell you, but little bit by little bit, the grace has taken away the anger and the bitterness. The antidote for this venom is the grace of God. Let's get down to some practicalities here, dealing with anger, dealing with that rising temper. You know when when someone provokes us? You know when they do something and you can just feel your blood boiling and you go all red in the face and and you're ready to just carve them apart? I mean, right at that moment, it is so easy to spit out something venomous, words that we can't take back, words that damage a relationship. People even throw things and do things. Sometimes when we're provoked, we can be quick on the draw. We just, you know, it comes out of our mouth so quickly. Let me share a story with you. I remember once I used to run and own a consulting firm in the IT industry. We worked right around the world, but mostly in Australia and New Zealand. And I remember once as a consultant some years back now, I was being mucked around by a large and important client of a particular ethnic heritage. Now, we've been dealing with them for months, large company, to try and kick off a project and it meant a lot of money to our firm, this this big global organisation. And after months of investing time and effort with these people and with management, they pulled the plug on the project. I received an email from one of our consultants who was working with me. And, and there was an information copy that went to the client explaining that the organisation had decided not to go ahead with the project and our consulting worked well. I remember I was sitting in my office and I read the email and I just blew my stack. You know, I couldn't believe that they had wasted so much of our time and resources. It wasn't fair, not to mention we were losing a huge amount of revenue. And I must confess, I had a few choice sentiments that I almost expressed in reply to that email to my fellow consultant. I even typed an angry and venomous email. And I was just about to send it, and I thought better of it. I thought, "Mm, you know, I don't think I should do this. So I sent a much more benign email instead. Well, it is just as well I did that, because I hit the reply to all button instead of the reply button. And the email ended up with the client as well as my colleague. Gulp. Can you see what would have happened? Can you imagine? My thoughts of anger included some pretty vitriolic stuff about their ethnicity too. I must say, that's before I became a Christian. Now you might say to me, Bernie, why, why are you sharing this with us? It's simple. Because these are the things that we all go through. Day by day, people and organisations and circumstances drive us insane and we want to react and explode. Just the other day, I had a neighbour... I live in an area where houses are very close together and I asked the neighbour to turn down their loud music. They were playing the music really loud. They're in the mid-30s, that's great, but it was annoying me. So I just politely went and asked him to turn it down and this neighbour gave me a mouthful, like some pretty foul language. It was so hard. I mean, this is a simple thing. Their music was up too loud. It was disturbing the neighbourhood. Obviously, they'd never been taught to take other people into account. But the stuff that came out of this guy's mouth... And now, now he just ignores me. I, I think. And hang on just a minute. Wasn't he the one that was doing the wrong thing? I was just the one that asked him to turn it down. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to just explode. You see, I have a flesh just like you. I'm a human being just like you. And I just wanted to explode. Just tell him what I really thought, to teach him a lesson, to to teach him some manners. You know this feeling, don't you? And then he ignores me. He was the one that did the wrong thing. But, you know, exploding is never a good thing. Never. But it's something we all experience, this feeling where we do want to explode some more than others, some people are like on a hair trigger, and anything will set them off. Anger and tantrums are an ugly thing. And as hard as it was, can I tell you, it was so hard, I exercised self-control. What we're talking about on the program this week is anger management. And I want to share some really practical input from God's Word with you today. Again, if you have your Bible, open it up to James chapter 1, pretty much towards the end of the Bible, James chapter 1, verse 19. He writes this, "'My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For our anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and all the evil that is so prevalent.' and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you this is really practical and it's really special because it's god's solution he says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry in other words when we can feel the temperature rising when we can feel our anger and our temper boiling slow down don't have to react now in this instant I don't have to rip the neighbour's head off I don't have to send an angry email maybe this is where the piece of advice came from count to ten. Nine times throughout the Bible you'll find these words or ones very similar to them the Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love let me read it to you again this particular one comes out of Psalm 103 verse 8 but you'll read it elsewhere in the Bible too The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. What a great concept. There are three parts to that. Firstly, he's slow to anger. Just hold on for a minute. Cut this person some slack. This man who wouldn't turn his music down. Secondly, abounding in steadfast love and compassion. You know what I've decided to do? This guy that wouldn't turn his music down? I've decided to pray for the guy regularly because that's who God is. And then thirdly, slow to speak. Just don't say anything. Don't defend or assert or criticize or judge or belittle or shout or scream or anything. Don't. Be slow to speak. It's not easy. It begins with a change in heart. It begins by deciding that my anger is my problem. It begins by resigning from my position of of tin-pot little God and center of the universe. It begins by deciding that the world doesn't owe me being slow to anger and slow to speak. And when we do respond, what should we say? I love Proverbs chapter 15 verse one. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Isn't that wise? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's so hard to bite our lips some days, isn't it? It's hard sometimes to respond in love, but each time becomes easier. Each time heals relationships. And people notice this, and one day, when the relationship's so strong, we'll have the ability to influence this person who hurt us with the love of God. Anger is one of those basic facts of life, and in many respects, it's a natural reaction to a whole range of situations. Sometimes we think that anger in and of itself is wrong, but that's not so. You see, God gets angry too, so either God's a sinner or anger itself isn't a sin. (laughs) Makes you think, doesn't it? I passionately believe that Jesus Christ came and died for my sins and that he was and is utterly perfect, a perfect sacrifice to pay for my sins, and yet... When he went to the temple in Jerusalem and saw that they'd turned it into a bazaar, he was angry. He made a whip and and turned over the tables and drove the traders out of the temple with a whip. Of course, God is a loving God, but God is also a God of anger and ultimately a God of punishment. So is anger right or wrong in our lives? And what do we do with that anger? Let's take a quick look at the anatomy of anger. It basically goes like this. I've been wronged by someone. I feel angry, therefore. They owe me some recompense, so I will respond in anger to obtain vengeance. In a sense, it comes out of our sense of justice. And of course, as we've seen on the program this week, we can have quite a distorted sense of justice. We can be touchy and selfish and, and throw tantrums. And so even though actually we haven't been wronged, someone's just fallen short of our expectations or or we're being selfish and we feel as though we've been wronged, and then the anger and the justice and the vengeance thing takes hold. Yeah. Sometimes people do things to us that are clearly wrong and we're angry. The question is, how do we respond? Before the break, I read this passage from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. In other words, sometimes we're angry. The question is, will we let it fester overnight and tomorrow and over and over and over, thereby making room for the devil to distort our sense of justice, and then let this root of bitterness take hold in our lives? Will we do that? Or whether we, like God, are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The anger in itself isn't a sin. God is angry with those who turn their backs on Him. You can read it right throughout the Bible. Just one example, Judges chapter two, verse twelve in the Old Testament. Talking about Israel, says this. They forsook the Lord and the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger, because they forsook him and served Baal and other gods. In his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around them, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against his chosen people to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. See, God gets angry sometimes, and yet the wonder of God is that he is slow to anger and ready to forgive. But ultimately, when we harden our hearts against him, we experience his anger. So how do we make sense of all this? God gets angry, but we shouldn't. Remember, anger has its roots in our sense of justice. That much we get from God because we're made in his image. God is never angry without just cause. The problem is we can't say the same thing about us. Our justice gyroscope is so often out of balance. And then when we do experience anger, we want to wallow in it and work over and over and over it and seek revenge and make room for the devil. Anger is a natural reaction and in some cases it's the right reaction. The problem is when we're the injured party, our sense of justice is questionable at best and wacky at worst. So what do we do? Well, here's God's solution. You can get it in Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 17. Paul writes this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord." In other words, leave the justice thing to God, his sense of justice, so much better than ours. And in any case, who knows what he's up to in that person's life? Only he does. Someone who hurts us, our initial reaction may be anger, the same anger that God feels when he sees injustice. The thing that's wrong is repaying that evil with that evil. God's saying, don't take revenge. Leave room for me to act. Instead, go on and bless your enemy. God's grace might just kick in through us and bring that person to Christ. We may never see justice, but then that's why Jesus died for you and me. It was so unjust. But that cross is the place where justice met love, and it's called grace. The grace shown to you and me, a grace he now calls us to show to other people. Yes, you and I will experience anger from time to time, but we're not to repay evil with evil. Leave that bit for God, forgive, forget, live life to the full, and bless people with the grace that's been shown to us. It's not a bad plan when you think about
1: it. You've been listening to Christianity Works with Bernie Dimet. Before we go, there's something truly important that I need to share with you. This podcast is only made possible through the prayer and support of friends like you. Each week, millions of people hear about Jesus through Christianity Works radio and television broadcasts and through podcasts just like this one. Your generous gift of support today will help take the gospel of Jesus Christ far and wide around the globe. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.org and click the donate button. And when you do give... Don't forget to request your free copy of this month's latest life application e-booklet. Thank you so much for your generous gift of support today. Again, that web address is ChristianityWorks.org. I'm Jennifer. We'll catch you again next time.